Welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. What's up, Nittany Lion fans? Welcome back to the Nittany Blues podcast. We are in the bye week of the 2022 football season, so there's no game for us to uh, preview for this episode, but we've got a pretty cool conversation lined up for you here. We're going to do some bye week mid-season report cards for different position groups for some different coaches, so that'll be pretty fun. Great idea by Vince, but first, let's uh, let's get into some news. So, Vince, I want to get your reaction for something real quick. Uh, what do you think of Wisconsin letting go of Paul Christ? I'm not really surprised. It's They've been below the standard they've been at for a while, so... Not incredibly shocking, especially given the past two years and their performance. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I'm just a little surprised at kind of like the midseason firing. Like, didn't seem like the boat was that on fire, at least from, you know, what we've kind of seen from Wisconsin in past years. But I mean, I guess they must feel strongly enough uh, or, you know, maybe they have a guy lined up that they really want to send some booster money at to try and get them into uh, Camp Randall. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, that was kind of the big news after this past weekend. Wisconsin got ran all over by Illinois. So uh, yeah, no, no more Paul Christ. So what do you got for us, Vince? Some exciting news here. Uh, Penn State is ranked number 10 in the country. We are officially a top 10 team heading into the bye week. Andrew, once again, on that? yeah, I mean, it, we can argue the merits of the top 10 ranking uh, all night and day. I mean, Penn State undoubtedly has been helped by teams ahead of them in the ranking losing, uh, you know, Specifically, this past week it was uh, it was NC State and Kentucky losing, which allowed Penn State and Ole Miss to take those spots in the top ten. But you know, at the end of the day, regardless of how they got there, Penn State is five and zero, oh, a big road win over a uh, you know dangerous SEC opponent. At least in most years, they're dangerous. So you know, it's uh, we're either going to prove our worth of that ranking or not in the next month, you know, so there's nowhere to hide with this ranking. Like we're not going to be playing a couple of cupcakes over the next, uh, over the next two or three games and, you know, kind of coast by with that ranking. Like we're putting it on the line every single week now. Yeah. We're heading to the the toughest part of the schedule coming up here. And there's some more crazy news that came out today. So barring disaster from Michigan next week, there is going to be a battle of two top 10 teams in Ann Arbor, and it is going to be a big noon kickoff for Michigan's maze out. What are your thoughts on the Fox big noon kickoff? I mean, I think it's cheap. <laughs> you know, it's it's just something that, you know, they're, they're trying to uh, glamour up uh, a noon kickoff. I mean, noon kickoffs have always just kind of been like the meh of the football, college football scheduling timeframes. And so this is just their way to kind of jazz it up and like add some excitement. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that Michigan is doing a maze out though, because we'll have gone now from a blackout to an orange out to a maze out. And then the following week we're hosting our own whiteout. So you made a comment, uh, a handful of episodes ago that we might experience all the colors of the rainbow, um, through the season. And you might be right because I mean, for all we know, like, uh, at, I mean, who, who do we have away yet this, this season? Maybe we'll have like a, like a blue out or something like that. Maybe a red out. Uh, it's hard to say, but yeah, we're, we're getting all kinds of color outs. And, uh, so, I mean, I think that the maze out probably would have more of an impact if it was happening at night, because I do remember that color looking pretty cool, like under the lights of the big house. Uh, so, you know, like whatever big noon kickoff, you know, we're just going to take it and run with it. What do you think? Just an asinine move by the Big Ten. It's just utterly insane that they're having the biggest game at noon. This could be a potential college game day location in two weeks. And they're not going to have crowds there because they have to be in at the stadium by you know 1130 heading towards the stadium. It's just complete craziness that 
they're not going to be there for Lee Corso putting on the head if it is, you know, selected as college game day. It's just madness to me. If I was a Michigan fan, I would be like chaining myself to the fence with like all the other Michigan fans saying, we are not playing this game until 730 and you're going to have to move me. And like, that's just what we need to do to end this nonsense of the biggest premier football games being played at noon. It just, we as fans, we need, we need to do something to just put our foot down and, you know, get rid of this complete nonsense. All right. So uh, are you going to start like some kind of petition or something? Cause it sounds like you're really passionate about this. I am. It just, it ruins it for everyone. Now it, for me, selfishly, it fits my plans really well because I'm <laughs> running a 50-mile trail race the next day with some friends. So I'll be get be able, be able to get to bed early. But if I was a Michigan fan or if this was a, at Penn State, I, I would be, you know, just throwing the biggest temper tantrum, like, imaginable. Like, this is just ridiculous that we don't have the best games at the end of the day or – even even a three thirty kickoff would be all right with me, but this is just complete nonsense to have it be at noon. Yeah, I mean, it seems like this is just the product of you know, uh, like TV partnerships and the timing bureaucracy between the different networks and stuff like that. So it's just uh, you know Fox's way of uh, just trying to make it more than what it is, which uh, is you know a little less impactful than a lot of us probably would have thought this game would be if it were held at uh, say like three 30 or seven o'clock or whatever. So I'm in agreement with you. Yeah. But hopefully that gives Penn state an advantage heading into this game. The fans won't be quite as loud. They won't be amped up from looking forward to the game all day. They'll be pretty much waking up, getting to the game, like, you know, in a rush. So hopefully that helps out Penn state. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It's uh, it's hard to say because I mean, yeah, you give them all day with uh, with something like the maze out and turns into, you know, kind of a different atmosphere. So we'll see. We'll see how uh, how impactful the timing will be from that aspect. So um, other things in football news. So you know, it, it, this is going to continue at the whiteout. But Vince, I got to ask you, how were the beer sales uh, for the first official selling of alcohol in Beaver Stadium? They were really good. Uh, Fred and Bell both came back with uh, Yingling. I saw some Coors Light and Blue Moon there. Uh, from what I was told, it was pretty quick and easy to grab a beer, but like you're just grabbing a can out of a fridge and collecting the 10 bucks. So I can't imagine it's that difficult to do. So good to hear that it was quick, efficient, and well-organized. So you didn't you didn't get one yourself? I was not willing to throw down $10 for a light beer. No. <laughs> hey, I mean, that that's fair. I, uh, I did have a couple of beers at the Eagles game yesterday and I paid more money, uh, for said beer than I would have liked. So I get it. Yeah, for sure. And when you got the tailgate scene, you've, you've had enough. And then after the game, I usually bike home. So it's good to be, be responsible and safe. <laughs> yeah, very true. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna buy one, at least one, uh, for the whiteout game, mostly just to say that I did it. Um, even if it is just like, if I'm having just like a Miller light or whatever, you know, but, uh, yeah, some, uh, some more Penn state news. Uh, not sure if you would have seen this, but Bo nickel, former wrestler for Penn state earned himself a contract with UFC after knocking out his, I think it was like third consecutive opponent like he's been absolutely driving through his competition so far usually um taking him out by submission so uh you know bo nickel who is just an absolute monster on the wrestling mat is uh, taking his talents to the octagon so we might see a lot more of him in the future what do you think of that i think that's awesome dana white saw his talent and he was like we gotta sign this guy so really happy for him especially since he probably wasn't getting all the NIL stuff that say the football players were getting. So it's really great to see a guy like him being able to make some money for his amazing talents. Yeah. And I mean, plus he was, uh, he left Penn state before all that stuff came down the pipeline. So he completely 
missed the bus on that. So yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. It's uh, it's cool that he's going to make some money. And uh, you know, <laughs> what's funny is, I mean, it seems like all sports fans, regardless of the sport are the same when it comes to like finding ways to downsize or just kind of take the rug out from certain accomplishments or moments because every time that Boas won a fight and the UFC has uh, you know, posted about it, or maybe a UFC publication has like tweeted about it or something like that. There's always a handful of people who are like, Oh, well just wait until like he fights like an actual, like a, like a brawler or something like that. Like wait until he like takes a hit or something like that. Meanwhile, he just continues to knock out his opponents and like continue on. So, so it's, it's cool to see him, uh, kind of, uh, show his haters wrong too, from that aspect. So speaking of great athletes, are you ready for this week's PSU roundtable? Let's do it. All right. So unfortunately, the soccer teams did not have a great week. The men's program finally was ranked. They moved up to number 20, but they fall into 4-3-3 and on the season. They had a loss to Villanova and tied Northwestern. If you want to catch the men's soccer team, you can catch them Friday night at Jeffrey Field against Michigan State. At 7 p.m., the number six ranked Nittany Lions, they are now 7-3-2. and two. They lost to Michigan State and Ohio State, so they've, they've had a bit of a rough re- week as well. The women's volleyball team is ranked number 12. They had a loss at number eight, Wisconsin, but picked up a uh, win versus Michigan State. And if you want to catch them this coming weekend, they do have a home game versus Illinois at 1 p.m. in Rec Hall. Field hockey has moved to 9-2 and two on the season. They're ranked number six nationally. They had a tough overtime loss at Northwestern, 5-4, to four, but then came back to beat Indiana 4 nothing a few days later. If you want to catch them in action, they have two games this weekend. They are home Friday versus Iowa at 6 p.m. and home Sunday versus Lafayette at 1.30. Moving to the ice, the men's hockey program is going to start their season. I know we're really excited to see them. We've bought a couple tickets for Michigan State later in the year. Start off the season, Friday and Saturday this week, they'll be home versus Canisius uh, Friday at 7 p.m. and Saturday at 6 p.m. The women's team will be home. They're ranked number 11 in the nation. They play Colgate on Friday at 2.30 p.m. and Saturday at 1 p.m. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts on the upcoming season for the men's hockey team? Can't wait. Penn State hockey is always a good time. Yeah, not many better venues than Hockey Valley. You'd be hard-pressed to tell me otherwise. You, You ready for, as a teacher, grades are very important. Are you ready to give out some grades? (laughs) yeah yeah i think so so uh like i said up top you know this was this was your idea so i want you to to lead things off here because i know that you're going to be a lot more detail oriented and technical than i am so vince why don't you kick us off with uh your first grades that you want to hand out to the team well first of all i think we need to start at the quarterback position there's been a lot of controversy heading in we've had Sean Clifford, we've had Drew Alar, we have Christian Veyu on occasion. And overall, I think I'm going to give the group a B plus. Um, outside of the two really bad interceptions, Sean had a really bad interception at Purdue and a pretty bad interception this past weekend through the rain and the muck. Um, so I, I, I have B plus because overall, they've done a good job running the offense. They've, they've looked good. And they've taken the Nittany Lions to a 5-0 record. Do you think that's a fair grade, Andrew? Yeah, I think it is. And I I was actually very similar or close uh, to your rating. I have them as a as a B right now, um, only because uh, you know there there were just some times where you know Sean had thrown an interception. I mean, the one against Purdue was was really costly and uh, almost really cost them the game uh, that first season 
that season opener. And so the, uh, the reason why they're not up into the a category for me is, uh, because of those interceptions, but also because of some, some throws that I thought, uh, could be made in certain games like central Michigan and in the Northwestern game, like we talked, uh, the last pod about how in like two consecutive plays, Sean missed, um, uh, Mitchell Tinsley, who had a step on his receiver streaking down the sideline and also a crossing Parker Washington. Now, granted, it was really rainy, like the conditions were really terrible. So it's hard to say how much that impacted things because I mean, everybody was impacted. But overall, you know, I think that they've done enough um to you know help Penn State not shoot itself in the foot enough to get them to this five and zero record. So that's why I have them as a flat B. Yeah, I think that's fair to criticize. However, Here's my caveat to your argument argument and why they should be a B plus. Uh, you were at the Eagles game. Do you know how many turnovers Trevor Lawrence had? <laughs> yes. Yeah. A, a handful of them. Yeah. I, I saw him. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, yeah, the rain, the rain plays hell on, on all kinds of things in a football game, including like just handling of a football. So I get it. Yeah. The Eagles had a hard time. Trevor Lawrence had five turnovers. Uh, so I, I think we need to cut the the Penn State offense and Sean Clifford from sl- some slack. There was essentially no offense in the Mid-Atlantic region this weekend due to the heavy rain from Hurricane Ian. And I, I think we need to cut the offense some slack. No one was able to do anything. So I can't hold that, hold that game against them too much. All right, moving on to running backs. For running backs, I have an A-. minus. Um, they've been awesome this year as a whole. However, uh, they probably would have been an A plus until this past weekend. It was the three fumbles this weekend that brought their grade down. Is this a fair grade? Yeah, I 100% agree. I also have an A minus for them and it's because of this past weekend. I mean, the fact that they hadn't put the ball on the ground up until this past week, I mean, that put them squarely in the um, in the A plus and, you know, at the very least a territory for me, it was just putting the ball on the ground for, you know, all three running backs in the rotation. Now, after Devin Ford's departure, the fact that all three of them put them, put the ball on the ground, uh, put them into the a minus spot. I mean, that being said, I mean, this, this running back group looks totally different from last year, both in terms of the personnel, but also just the productivity. I mean, they're rushing for nearly five yards a carry. Um, you know, this running game has been working for Penn state at times where they've needed it to. And I feel more confident about their ability to run the ball, um, in the toughest games of the schedule this year, as opposed to last year, where we were barely able to run for any yards against the likes of Villanova. Uh, so they're definitely in the A territory, but I'm in total agreement with you. The ball security has to pick up, but uh, you know, for right now, they're an A minus for me. Yeah. I think they might, might be able to bring the overall grade up higher by the end of the year. I think this would be a great learning experience for them, but for now I have them at an A minus, but they are outrushing their opponents, uh, 192 rush yards per game versus only 135. So I think that's a great sign for the Nittany Lions, especially since that is an area that we struggled with last season. Right. Moving on to wide receivers. I have an A minus. I love Parker Washington. I love Mitchell Tinsley. Keandre Lambert is super fast. However, the only thing that dropped their grade were some of the early season drops, especially. So that is why I have them at an A minus. Cool. I mean, I am in a similar space. I just have them at at a B plus and it's only because of some of the drops. I mean, they were really egregious in the game against Purdue and we saw a couple of them in the game against central Michigan. Um, You know, overall, I think they've done their job very well. It's just those drops that just, I mean, if we're hanging on to the ball in certain spots, I mean, the offense looks so different, you know, very similarly to how if we're able to run the, uh, run the ball, then all of a sudden things just flow so much better. I think that, 
you know, just simple things like the receivers hanging onto the ball that has kind of the same effect because, uh, you know, we just see a couple of them, um, go through their hands. And I mean, there's been times where Sean, uh, puts it in a difficult spot, but I mean, it still hits the guys in the hand. So I have them at a B plus right now, but similarly to the running backs, I think that as they get into, you know, these marquee matchups, these real like testing ground games, um, they have a chance to really prove themselves, uh, kind of, uh, show themselves as an elite unit in the Big Ten, which I think that they are certainly capable of being. I mean, you want to just talk about like talent top to bottom. I mean, it outside of like Ohio State, I think this is a, an extremely talented group. So I'm looking for them to kind of raise it up to an A area status for me by the end of the season. But for right now, I'm at B plus. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think that's fair. I, I do think the one thing is it is kind of an outlier for these groups like they had the the bad interception against Purdue in the first week of the season and then against Northwestern in the rain so you take that with a grain of salt same with the running backs they've only fumbled in the rain the wide receivers had issues in the first week of the season primarily so if they can get more consistent I'm looking for these groups to all move up all right uh the best tight end group that James Franklin has seen I have <laughs> I have an A minus. Brenton Strange is just amazing. He's great. And I think the rest of the others are, you know, they're solid. They're okay. What do you think? Yeah, I have them as an A. And the reason why I have them as an A and not like an A plus or an A minus, like not an A plus because there have been times where we've seen, um, some drops from the tight ends. I mean, specifically from like Tyler Warren, it seems like in situations like that, because Brenton strange has been so rock solid, you know, he's been making some, some fantastic plays um, after the catch. Uh, And the reason why they're not really an a minus is because they just haven't done really much to like hurt the Penn state off or the, the Penn state um, offense. And uh, you know, we haven't seen a lot of Theo Johnson in, uh, in games so far, and that could be due to injury. So I think there's still some, some cards left to be flipped over for the tight end group this year. Now that uh, the room is like kind of complete and healthy. So we'll see what they have in store, but I mean, so far they've been incredibly effective, incredibly impressive. So that's why I have them as an A. Great stuff. I think that's very fair. Moving on to my favorite group, the offensive line, no sarcasm there. (laughs) I have them at a C plus. Uh, there's been times where they've been dominated by their opponents and there's been times where they've been pretty solid and they haven't given up many sacks. Uh, they have seven sacks against them this year. So that's less than two sacks a game, which is good. Uh, however, I'm looking to see more push in the run game even because there's several times where it seems like oh, we get a tackle for loss or Nick Singleton has to do something amazing to bail them out. Uh, is my grade fair? Yeah, I think it is. And I mean, I just, I have them as like a flat B for now. And, you know, if I, if I had to say, you know, um, like their lowest lows definitely puts them at like C minus territory for me, but then like their highest highs, like we're talking about the performance against Auburn puts them at like a minus territory for me. So, you know, there's a, there's a bit of inconsistency with the group. It seems like, um, you know, they just kind of have these ebbs and flows to them. Uh, so for right now, they're, they're just a B because of that inconsistency. I mean, this is, you know, we, we talk a lot about these groups, like having an opportunity to prove themselves. I mean, like you're going up against the best pass rushers in the big 10 over the next month. So this is a perfect time to kind of put your feet in the ground, get a push and kind of show that like, this is the, the new norm at Penn state, like Penn state for years. I mean, we've talked about the offensive line kind of being a group that uh, we need to see more of if Penn state is going to have success offensively, like this is the time to prove it now. So for right now, I haven't met a B. Yeah. We, if we get through the, the month of October undefeated, I'm going to say you're probably going to see me switching this to an A by the end of the season. Oh, dude. Agreed. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you know, the season has come, you know, the the White Walkers are trying to cross the wall and, uh, you know, <laughs> they have to be the night's watch and not let them through. They got to bring their big boy pants on and be ready to fight. So we'll see how they do. So instead of uh, like Game of Thrones, when they say like winter is coming for this season, are we just saying that like October is coming and now yep. it's like October is here? <laughs> yep. Yep. 
October is coming for sure. All right. So overall, I have the offense at a B plus. They've averaged 34.4 points per game. They've done really well in the turnover differential. Uh, pretty solid in the red zone as well. They've scored points 19 out of 20 times in the red zone, and they've gotten touchdowns on 16 out of 20 of those possessions. So I think that's great stuff from the offense. Uh, I'm just hoping they're more consistent and cleaning up things like penalties, fumbles, drops, errant interceptions. If they can clean those things up, they can be a force to be reckoned with. Good stuff. Yeah, I also have a B plus and it's because of all the reasons that you mentioned. I mean, they have been uh, pretty effective down near the goal line, getting it into the end zone. I think they've also just from the eye test seem to be a bit more effective on third down as well. Like we've seen a lot of like Katron Allen really moving the chains on those like third and three, third and four situations, which is awesome because that's not something that we've uh, really seen from Penn State in recent years. So that's why I have them as a B plus too. Great stuff. Um, yeah, really exciting group. Uh, it's, they've, one thing I really like that they do is whenever they need a score, they always seem to do it. Like first week of the season, Sean Clifford throws a pick six and then a drive or two later, he's leading them down the field, you know, to take the lead. Uh, you have that Northwestern, they score a touchdown and it's now 14 to seven and they're within striking distance. And then they, the offense comes right down the field. It's 17 to seven. So I feel like our offense, like when they need to get a possession and they need to get a touchdown, I felt very confident in them this year. Whereas maybe last year I didn't. So that's something I'm feeling positive about with the offense. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, it just seems like when they've, like you said, when they've needed it, they've been able to put it together. All right, moving on to the defensive end and the pass rush. Um, I have the defensive end group at a B. They had 13 sacks this year. Some games they've been getting a lot of pressure. Some games they have not. Do you think a B is a fair grade for the defensive end group? I do. And I actually, I have them at a little higher at an A minus only because it seems like they're, they're getting better week to week. And especially, you know, we've seen some versatility from chop Robinson, who was actually really effective in the run game defense and this last game against Northwestern. And so it seems like the, the Auburn game was really a catalyst for them uh, to really kind of strut their stuff and uh, show their ability to get to the quarterback. So, um, you know, I, I, I say a minus because, you know, it just, it just seems like there's, there's more pressure uh, that they're putting on the quarterback in recent games than early games. So, you know, if I'm looking at the season as a whole, which I mean, I guess I probably should be, uh, you know, it's probably in like the B plus area, but I I think it was just chops uh, versatility that he is that he's shown. That's kind of put them into the a category for me. Uh, But, you know, I could be swayed either way. Yeah, I think you've kind of swayed me a little bit. I think I'll change that one to a B plus. They, All right. they do have they, <laughs> they do have more sacks than I think, and they've they've done a good job stopping the run in the red zone and creating turnovers. And that that doesn't happen without a good D line. So I think while they're definitely not the strength of the team, I, I can I think I'll round them up to a B plus. Good stuff. All right, defensive tackles. I have at a B plus. They've held opponents to two point nine yards per carry. They've only allowed three rushing touchdowns this season. Is this a fair grade? Yes, it is. And I also have a B plus. I mean, PJ Mustafer uh, really came on strong in this Northwestern game. We saw other guys like Hakeem Beeman come out and show his athleticism, his versatility with a couple of pass knockdowns on like key third and fourth downs. So, you know, overall this, this group along with the rest of this defense uh, seems like it's getting better. So I have them at a B plus as well. Yeah, I I would say definitely the past, you know, week or so they've, and against Auburn, they've pulled themselves up, whereas Purdue kind of pulls their grade down a little bit if you're looking at the overall grade, but to see this team trending better and better each week is really something to be encouraged by. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we're talking about just an absolute gauntlet of of a month here. So the fact that they're trending upward is definitely good. Yeah. Moving on to linebacker U. Uh, I have a B plus for this group. Overall, I think they've done a really good job replacing all those guys that they've lost last year. 
they haven't seemed to miss a beat at that position. Is a B plus a fair grade for the linebacker core? Yes, it is. And I personally have them at, at a flat B only because of some uh, some breakdowns in like coverage in the middle of the field. And I mean, granted, we're talking about some very young linebackers now being rotated in. So I, you know, it's kind of unfair to expect them to be great at everything um, right from the jump, especially when they've had some experienced tight ends to deal with. Uh, like we've, we've, it seems like every week we've talked about kind of like a senior tight end that uh, was kind of a player to watch, but, you know, overall I've been really happy with uh, just kind of the consistency that they've been playing with uh, for the most part. I mean, Abdul Carter looks very, very experienced for being a freshman. You know, he's uh, been showing off his athleticism and getting into the backfield. Curtis Jacobs looks like he's, you know, kind of leading by example, really, uh, you know, showcasing his ability to stop in the run game, get in the backfield, uh, go back in coverage on occasion. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say that the, the thing that kind of stops me, uh, from giving them a B plus is like some of the, some of the penalties that they've gotten. And I'm not really talking about like, uh, Abdul Carter's, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not targeting in Purdue against in week one, but, you know, we had a couple of like offsides penalties against Northwestern. Um, and so, you know, that, that's why they're, they're at a B for me. Uh, but I think they're, they're trending upward just like the rest of the defense. Yeah, I think that's fair. Moving on to my group for real this time, uh, the cornerbacks, I have at an A plus the depth is incredible. You got Joey Porter, Daquan Hardy, Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, all doing great things. They've had five interceptions outside of Joey Porter's one dropped interception. They seem to just gravitate towards the ball and make the play just about every time. Is an A plus fair grade? 100%. Yeah, I have an A plus as well. This is the best position group on the team um, from you know top to bottom. They're all high performers. Joey Porter looks like he's going to be like a first rounder or like a high second rounder in the NFL draft. Johnny Dixon and, and, uh, Kalen King rotating on the other side have been tremendous at both pass breakups and grabbing interceptions and forcing turnovers. So, I mean, they're the reason why, uh, you know, Penn state has been as effective as they are at kind of limiting those chunk plays. Uh, so, I mean, you know, if there, if there's one group on this team, that's going to get an A plus it's them. Moving on to safeties, I, I have an A-plus here as well. Jair Brown has been awesome, reeling in interceptions. Uh, Zach Wheatley, the turnover king, has been doing awesome. Jalen Reed really shined, especially last week against Northwestern. He was all over the field. And they've only allowed five pass touchdowns this season. And for the offense, they've thrown 11. So they've held opponents to less than half of what we've been scoring so for that reason, I have the safety group at an A plus. Good stuff. Yeah. I personally have them at an A only because like partially because I'm trying to grade them against the cornerbacks who have just been so exceptional, but I also, and you know, this just may be me just uh, being overly analytical, but uh, I just have moments where the missed tackles kind of stick out in my mind uh, and you know, I, I don't want that to diminish um, the impact that they've had in the turnover game. Like you've mentioned, like Jair Brown leads the team in tackles. He also has a couple of interceptions. Zachy Wheatley obviously leads the team in uh, in interceptions, and Jalen Reed is coming on strong. Um, and you know, you have you have a couple of other guys rotating in there as well. So I mean, they've been a very solid group overall. It's just I I think like if I'm taking a scale from like you know like if say like a D to the cornerback group, uh, I have them like just at like a slight notch below the corner. So that's why I give them an A. Good stuff. Uh, overall, I think this defense has been doing awesome. I have them at an A overall. They've only allowed 14.8 points per game in the red zone. They've held opponents only scoring 10 out of 15 times and only six of them have been touchdowns. So compared to what how our, our offense has been doing, I think the defense has been doing really well and deserves an A. Agreed. I also have an A. All right, moving on to special teams. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so Jake Penninger and the kicking unit. Uh, so, so far we are four for seven on field goal attempts, which not great to be making only about half your kicks. Um. 
We've also missed two PATs this year. We're 20 for 22. This is just unacceptable for a kicking unit, especially when none of these kicks have been really super long, in my opinion. So I have a C for Jake Pinnegar and the field goal unit. Yeah, I, I have a, a C plus and, you know, it, it, the plus is only because like we, some of the like ups of Jake Pinnegar have come in moments like the Northwestern game when it was still a one score game. And he also made a long one against Auburn. Uh, so that's why the, the plus gets added there. But yeah, I mean, overall it's been, it's been really shaky at best. You know, we need to see more consistency uh, from him and from the rest of the kickers. I mean, he's the only place kicker, so we're kind of just grading him, but yeah, I mean, the things need to be picked up there for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Barney Moore, don't think there's much to talk about here. A plus, he punts it to like the five yard line every time. Agreed. Yeah, he's been almost perfect. A plus for me as well. Yeah. Um, I know I didn't talk about returners on our notes before the show, but I think we should talk about returners a little bit. Okay. Um, I have them at a B minus. I don't think they've any, done anything detrimental. I don't think they've done anything to really help the team in the return game. So I have a B minus. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think off the cuff, um, you know, Parker Washington, while he hasn't like broken one, um, seems like he's been able to make a couple of opportunities to maybe grab like 10, 15 yards off the return. Uh, so I'll probably give uh, give that group or kind of that function of the team a B minus as well. Yeah, you'd like to see your special teams do something special once in a while. But if they're taking care of the ball, that's that's all you can ask for. Right. So overall for special teams, I have the grade at a B. This is an area where I think we can improve. And it seems that Barney and Moore is kind of carrying the group here. Yeah, I have a B plus. And, you know, it's just because like the place kicking is the the thing dragging it down. Because like we talk about kickoffs, like we don't see many returns off of kickoffs. Barney and Moore has been near perfect in his job. So, you know, if, uh, if place kicking uh, kind of picks up with that, um, this definitely gets into the A territory for me, but it's B plus for me for now. Sounds good. Moving on to one of the biggest figures in Penn State football, Coach Franklin. You have your crowd who thinks he should be fired. You have your crowd who thinks, I don't think we're going to get anyone better. Um, so coach Franklin this year, I think he has earned an a minus first off. We are five and O heading to the buy players got a chance to get hundred percent healthy and get ready to head into the gauntlet of death in the big house at Michigan. Um, most of the m- mistakes I feel like this year have been from players, not executing fundamentals. Uh, coach Franklin cannot do much if the guys catch a football or not coach Franklin cannot determine whether they fumble or not uh, missing field goals that coach Franklin can't do anything about that. The only thing he can do is make substitutions or put different players in, or, you know, there's not much he can do. And I don't think he's had a single play call this year where that's really had me scratching my head saying, why did you do that? James, So for those reasons, I have coach Franklin at an A minus. Yeah. I also have an A minus, you know, uh, like five and O record, like you said, that can't be overlooked. Uh, you know, Franklin has, uh, seems like he's been really good and like the few time management crunches that, uh, Penn state has been under, you know, most notably against Purdue, like they, the, the play calling was on point for pressure moments like that. Um, you know, I, I think we've seen a lot of, uh, like kind of maximizing of player potential in certain spots, uh, you know, with that really culminating in performances like the Auburn game and, uh, and at key moments in other games. So, you know, Franklin deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, and, you know, just the fact that like, you know, like if we want to go back even before this season started, um, you know, he's the reason why guys like Nick Singleton and Katron Allen and Drew Aller are at Penn state. And, you know, he's been putting them in a position to kind of showcase their stuff early, you know, not just uh, kind of sticking with the, you know, no, the upperclassmen are going to be the ones to like get the ball or, you know, have these opportunities. Like he's recognized that talent. He's put it to good use for Penn state right away. And that's a re- big reason why like things like the, uh, the running game has picked up the way it has. So he deserves a ton of credit for that, in my opinion. So I have an A minus as well. Great stuff. 
Moving on to our offensive coordinator. He is in year two, Mike Yurchich. I have a B plus. I think he's made a nice improvement in year two. However, I do think he is kind of unproven. He hasn't faced a Michigan defense or an Ohio state defense yet. So a Minnesota defense even. So I think this next three games is going to tell us a lot that we need to know about Mike Gertrich, but overall he's done what he's needed to do to win these football games. Yeah, good stuff. And that's why I also, I have just a flat B for your sitch right now. Um, you know, but I think there's, there's like kind of an asterisk placed next to that B and it's only because I don't think that we've seen, uh, the entirety of the offense yet. Like, you know, we always talk about like teams having something in store for X, Y, Z big opponents, but for your sitch, I think that is true. Like, you know, there, there's definitely going to be some wrinkles to this offense, uh, that we haven't seen yet that I think are going to pop up in Michigan. We might see some new stuff in uh, Ohio state and we might even see uh, new stuff against Michigan as well. I mean, I think it's all situationally based, um, you know, but for the most part, like Penn state's been able to execute their offense uh, in a very solid way to some good effect. Um, you know, I, I think that his play calling obviously is still dependent on like player execution. So, you know, if the line isn't getting a push on, you know, this, that, or whatever play, then all of a sudden that kind of changes plans. Like you got to shift gears and stuff like that. But I think overall he's done a good job. Like this offense um, hasn't really, it doesn't really seem like they're, they're doing like too many like bonehead plays or things like that. So I give him a B for now, but I think that, uh, you know, we might see some, some crazy and interesting stuff uh, from the offense here in October. All right, moving on to the biggest question mark heading into the season. New defensive coordinator, Manny Diaz. Uh, he has done spectacular. Everybody loved Brent Pry. We were sad to see him go. Manny Diaz comes in. We're not really knowing what to expect. And this defense has performed really well. They've gotten better and better each week. So I'm going to give Manny Diaz an A. I also give him an A and uh, you know, we've, we've talked about the fact that the defense has been uh, seemingly improving week to week and he's the reason for it. You know, he's putting guys in position to succeed. Uh, we're seeing a ton of rotation. So it's really been building a lot of depth on the defensive side for Penn state. Uh, we're seeing guys like Abdul Carter, Zachy Wheatley, Jalen Reed and others making a big impact despite their, their relative youth. Uh, so he deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, you know, we saw a lot of, I think what this defense could be uh, blitz wise in the Auburn game. And we just saw guys flying all over the backfield to uh, get to the quarterback in that one. So I think we could see um, other instances of that against Michigan and Ohio state when those lines are going to be pretty stingy. So we're going to have to try and get by them um, with some creative play calling. So I think we're going to see a lot of that, but for now, yeah, I mean, I agree. He's done a great job. So that's why he gets an A. So speaking of our offensive and defensive coordinators, I read an interesting article from statecollege.com today. It was titled, Does Penn State's Defense Deserve a Better Offense? And what it did is it took the scoring numbers from the 11 games that Coach Yurchich had while he was offensive coordinator. So in the average margin of victory, Penn State has ranked fourth in Big Ten play with an average of 6.2 points margin of victory. Iowa was fifth with 5.1. Above them was Minnesota at 11.4, Michigan at 14.1, and then obviously Ohio State dominating everyone with 27.2 average margin of victory. Now Penn State has ranked second in those 11 games that he has been Offensive coordinator. Penn State has only allowed an average of 17.2 points over the past two years in Big Ten play. The offense, however, has scored only 23.4 points in Big Ten play. This is behind the Iowa Hawkeyes, a team that we have made fun of a lot this year. The only teams we score more points than in Big Ten play are Illinois. They have 20.7. Um, Maryland were just ahead of them. They had 22.9. And then Rutgers and Indiana are at the bottom of the list with 13 and 12.6, respectively. 
Do these statistics change your opinion of offensive coordinator Mike Yurchich? No, I don't think they do. However, I would say that there is some credence to the statement that the defense deserves a better offense. And it's only because there is just so much talent on the offensive side in uh, on the Penn State team right now. I mean, like we talk all the time about like Nick Singleton and Catron Allen and, you know, just kind of the, the pedigree that they brought to the Penn State team. But if you look at like a lot of other positions and the Penn state offense, like we're talking about like three, four star guys coming out of high school. These guys had a lot of offers to go to pretty much anywhere in the country that they wanted to go. And they chose to go to Penn state. And so, you know, it's on the coaching staff to really put all that together in a cohesive way to produce a product on the field. And I think that they're trending in that direction. I mean, like we've seen, you know, more balanced dynamic offense this year than we've seen in the past when we've been relying so much on like Jahan Dotson and others to make big explosive plays. So I'm happy with that. So I think we are trending in that direction. Uh, but I, you know, I'm not going to say that the numbers lie because, you know, in, um, in the college game, you know, if your defense is holding uh, the opposition to like, what was it, 17 points a game, and you're still losing those games by slim margins uh, with the talent that Penn State has been able to recruit over the past five plus years, like, yeah, you know, I would say that uh, that definitely holds some water. Yeah, I think so. The The only team that has been better defensively has been Minnesota. They've averaged 14.7 points a game given away on defense. However, I think this can be slightly construed to favor the Big Ten West because the Big Ten West doesn't have to play those all those Big Ten East teams every single year. But I was really interested and surprised that we gave up less points than Michigan and Ohio State. And granted, that could be you know garbage time points happening, but really got to give credit to the Penn State defense. They're they. They've definitely done a lot. It's just, I think last year, since they were seven and six, they didn't get all the credit they deserved. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, like when you look at, at things, uh, you know, from a, like when you take a step back and really look at the Penn state defense, you know, going back a handful of years to like the Brent Pry era, I mean, Penn state's defense has been good for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Moving on to. Fact or fiction? I have some fact or fiction for us this week. Cool. Uh, so Sean, Sean's going to get a week off. He's going to get some time to rest. There's been some rumors of injuries, uh, particularly an MCL sprain, potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, fact or fiction? Sean Clifford gets through the whole season healthy and as the starter. Yeah, I'm going to say fact, um, you know, he's been able to stay upright more so this season than in past seasons uh, due to some better offensive line play. Um, you know, we've seen Sean battle through some injuries in the past. You know, he's uh, kind of you know proven himself to put his heart on his sleeve uh, for Penn State to really go out there and compete with his guys. So, yeah, I'm going to say fact here. Excellent. Fact or fiction. Manny Diaz will get a head coaching job after this year. I'm going to say fact. However, I'm not sure if he's going to take it. You know, I think we might see something like an Anthony Poindexter situation where it was reported that he was offered the head coaching job at Virginia, but then he returned to the Penn State coaching staff. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't personally see the reasons why. Um, you know, there is some good uh, speculation out there that he might have been offered, um, you know, a nice upgrade to his current deal with Penn State in terms of uh, his compensation and his responsibilities and things like that. So I could see something similar happening. Uh, I could see something similar happening with Manny Diaz where he might get a couple of calls and maybe, uh, you know, he'll take an interview, maybe get an interview on the spot, but he might hold off um, just to maybe see if there's some better offers that come down the line. Maybe something from like, uh, you know, like uh, the ACC maybe um, or from the SEC or something like that, where he'll kind of take over like a a bigger program or something like that. Cause I think that there's, there's a lot of intrigue to the Penn state defense and being able to coach them right now, just with the fact that he's uh, implemented his own system. He's got a lot of young guys in there so he can really prove his worth uh, over the next, 
like season and a half now to kind of showcase his worth uh, to those SEC teams. So I'm going to say fact just from the standpoint that I think he'll get offers, but I'm not really sold on uh, whether he'll take it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I will say fact for getting the offers. A lot of the times you will see these former head coaches that get coordinator jobs for a year or two, and then they're back into the head coaching ranks. So especially with how great he's doing this year, I'll, I'll say fact. And I do realize, I think I forgot to answer my fact or fiction for Clifford. I'll say fact as well. I do think the buy is coming at a good time for Sean to get healthy and the offensive line seems to be trending up. He hasn't been taking as many sacks lately, so I'll say fact for that as well. Cool. Factor fiction. Penn State beats our nine and three season prediction record. Yep, I'm gonna say fact. Um, I think that the 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 linchpin in this is going to be winning at least one of the next three games because <laughs> if they do that then i think penn state goes 10 and 2 on the season um you know i think if i'm if i'm grading this uh like that's might be the most realistic outcome of the next three games is winning one uh probably the whiteout against minnesota um and i think you know the next likely game or you know in terms of likeliness to win i would put minnesota or uh Michigan at like the second likeliest. Um, you know, I think we have a pretty good shot against this Michigan team, even though it is in the big house, Ohio state scares me. (laughs) You know, I think that they're just an extremely talented team. Um, you know, they were a young team last year and they were still very talented and, you know, they just seem to have all things clicking for them. So I think they're going to be a tough team to beat. So I think though, um, you know, based on like what we said in the, in the preseason where, you know, I think that Penn State is going to win a night whiteout game against Minnesota. Uh, so I think when the dust settles, we're going to be 10 and 2. So by that logic, I'm going to say fact. I'll say fact as well. Michigan State is not looking like they will have a good season. I could see them just completely folding by the end. Rutgers, like same thing as well. Indiana starting to go downhill. Maryland seems to be doing good, but we have them at home. So I think we'll get a win there. And I, I think the most likely outcome is to win one out of three with these next three games. So I'll say 10 and two and I'll say fact. Cool. Good stuff. Fact or fiction. Penn state will make a new year six bowl game this year. I'm going to say fiction for right now. Um, I think they're going to be just on the outside looking in. And I think this is what I also said in the, in the, uh, in the preseason, um, prediction pod you know if i if i'm looking at teams in the big 10 right now and you know starting with the big 10 east i think you know the most likely outcome of what we're going to see is ohio state going to the college football playoff um i don't think that we're going to see two teams from the big 10 uh in the college football playoff so then i'm looking at like the rose bowl and i think that the most likely candidate for that is probably going to be Michigan. And, you know, if I, you know, I'm thinking about other new year six slots, like, you know, there's not that many to go around and, you know, granted, you know, uh, Minnesota, depending on, depending on what happens at the whiteout, you know, they might be finishing their season, um, 10 and two or 11 and one. Um, you know, I think that they cut, they got kind of caught flat footed, uh, against Purdue. I still think that they're a very talented, solid team so i could see them kind of running the rest of their uh big 10 west schedule representing the big 10 west in the championship game ultimately losing to ohio state but then you know all of a sudden then they're a division winner they have like 10 wins and so then they become kind of a nice candidate for a new year six uh slot so you know with all those different factors in there um you know, I, I want to say that Penn State's probably just on the outside. I mean, we're I'm talking like, you know, maybe they go to like the Outback Bowl or something. But, you know, by that, uh, you know, with all those factors taken into account, I'm going to say fiction. You know what? I think I might say fact here. So cool. <laughs> here, here, here's what I'm thinking. So if we, if we go with that 10 and 2 finish, let's say they lose to Michigan and Ohio State. If you if Minnesota wins this, I, I think we're out of it. But let's say Ohio State makes the college football playoff, as they do most years. Michigan makes it to the Rose Bowl. I think you could see them as the third team, maybe in the Cotton Bowl, because 
Uh, I think the Big Ten West might beat each other up. Like all those teams, there doesn't seem to be a clear favorite. So you could see a lot of those teams with two or three losses or, you know, the winning, you know, you could see a nine and three team trying to play Ohio State for the the Big Ten championship and then lose there and then they're nine and four. And I think that could open the door for Penn State just barely by the skin of their teeth sneak into the college football playoff. Cool. Yeah, I think that that does make sense. All right. And our last factor of fiction, Penn State will win the Big Ten. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's just uh, let's go with fact. You know, who cares about a death gauntlet <laughs> of, of an October? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, this is like uh, this is the proving ground right here. Um, you know, if I if I had to put my money on it, I am probably going to say fiction um, just because like even though it's at home, you know, home home field advantage has not mattered against Ohio State outside of that 2016 upset. So, you know, it's it I think that Ohio State is like the clear favorite to win the conference. Um, you know, however, I sincerely hope that I'm wrong. Um, you know, because if Penn State can beat Ohio State, even if they lose to Michigan and then all of a sudden they're looking at maybe um an eleven and one season where Michigan, you know, might lose another Big Ten East game or something like that to Ohio State. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, kind of a, a mashup of teams to get into the championship game and then Penn State sneaks its way in. Then, yeah, I think that they would be favored against any of the Big Ten West teams. So the game against Ohio State is going to, I mean, it's just, um, it's a centerpiece for all kinds of things this season. So um, if I, you know, if I was a betting man, I'd say fiction, but my fan heart says fact. <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong. You think that Penn State will win the Big Ten and not make a near six bowl? <laughs> no. Yeah. My, my official, my official uh, prediction for the Big Ten championship uh or th- winning the big 10 is fiction okay <laughs> all right I- i'll say fiction as well i do think this this team definitely has shades of something special they kind of remind me of the philadelphia eagles when they had the dog mask and they're the underdogs and right now the eagles seem to have the whole thing going with batman uh the the lions are doing their lockdown new thing and they're flapping their hands every time the opponent throws an incomplete pass. I love the swag they're playing with. Definitely gives me a lot of positive vibes. However, I do think it is kind of tough that all of our toughest games are back-to-back between Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State. I think that is definitely the biggest thing that's going to going to be the biggest hurdle because we're going to be banged up when we play a lot of these teams, whereas... Michigan, for example, we have a bye, but Michigan's playing in Indiana the week before us. So they're not going to be quite as banged up as if they were to play a physical opponent like Ohio State or Minnesota. So for that reason, I will say fiction, but I do think this team could do something special. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it it seems like this there's something special waiting to happen with this team, uh, just with kind of the what we've seen primed up from them so far. So, I mean, hopefully we see it culminate this month because I mean, if it if it does, then great. And if it doesn't, then you know we're probably looking at like still a double digit uh, win season, but you know, kind of falling short of the goals that they've likely set for themselves. Yeah, I mean, we we already have the spirit of Chad Powers, so I think we're ready to make a big, big run. That's right. I think we need to schedule a home-and-home with Alabama because of that. I agree. We want Bama. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Any other games you're looking to enjoy this weekend while you're relaxing, not stressing about about Penn State football? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think Kansas. I'm actually excited to watch them play – play TCU. I mean, Kansas has been a really polarizing story so far this year. They're getting uh, game day at their campus for the first time ever. So really neat storyline with that. Um, you know, outside of that, uh, just going to be looking, you know, at normal Big Ten play everywhere just to, you know, keep eyes on the competition and just see how they're doing and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, not too many games I have really like circled on my calendar or anything like that. What about you? 
I think the Big 12 has a lot of exciting games this weekend. The uh, TCU at Kansas, they're both ranked and undefeated. And for our listeners, this is football, not basketball. It does sound crazy, but it is football. (laughs) Yeah. You, of course, have your Red River rivalry. rivalry. Texas is at Oklahoma. Then you have Texas Tech at Oklahoma State, who took down Texas at home earlier. So we'll see if they can keep that mojo going. Kansas State's at Iowa State. I think that'll be a fun one. Moving on to the ACC, Florida State is at NC State. So Florida State came off a tough loss versus Wake Forest. NC State lost to Clemson. It'll be interesting to see which team can bounce back better. In the Pac-12, we have number 11 ranked Utah at number 18 ranked UCLA, which this is kind of a pseudo Big Ten watch since they will be with us soon. So UCLA is 5-0 and as well. So it'd be interesting if they can take on Utah, who's been one of the best teams in the Pac-12. Yeah, that, that should be a good game. I mean, UCLA seems to be just kind of a, like a weird team to get a, a pulse on year to year because didn't they really struggle last year? I think they did. So it's really surprising to see them doing so well so early. But, right. you know, college football is it's a crazy place. That's right. And then also the other team that is soon to be in the Big Ten, Washington State is 4-1. and one. They will be visiting USC who recently had the scare to almost being beat by Oregon State. So I think that would be a good battle in the Pac-12 as well. Agreed. Did you see the video of, I think it was uh, Arizona State, the defender uh, squirting his water bottle at Caleb Williams on the sideline? I did not. I can imagine that was funny, though. Yeah. I don't know what the play was, but he was like running back into the field. Maybe like uh, they were, you know yapping at each other <laughs> the guy just like takes his uh, gatorade bottle and just squirts water at caleb as he's walking away so it's pretty funny yeah and one big game i'm looking at in the sec is number eight tennessee at number 25 lsu they kind of had that freaky loss where they lost because they missed a pat that game was insane uh they they fumbled it at their one yard line, Florida State goes down the field, they get it back, they go down the field, and then they score a touchdown on the last play, they, and then they miss the extra point to send it to overtime. Like that was just absolutely insane. So it'll be cool to see if they can take on Tennessee. And I'm kind of rooting for this because I made a mistake when I was talking about college game day for Michigan and Penn State because I was looking at week six. Instead of week seven, I was looking at the bye week. So I think our competition for game day could be Alabama at Tennessee if they stay undefeated. Also, potentially, I think you could see college game day at Syracuse if they host NC State, if they win again and Syracuse stays undefeated. And um, Oklahoma State at TCU could be another one if TCU is able to beat Kansas and Oklahoma State stays undefeated. So those are some candidates that we might have to battle with for game day next week. Yeah, good notes. I I think those are all uh, good games from uh, just like, you know, viewership standpoint. I think that Alabama and Tennessee is probably the stiffest competition for game day. I I still think that top 10 matchup between Penn State and Michigan still tops. those other examples, but either way, I mean, yeah, all those games are, are worthy contenders for sure. Just imagine how terrible that would look if like Corso is putting his helmet on and everyone's in line for the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, you know, I, I think they're, that might also play a part in this, like, um, because Fox is going to have like their show going on. Um, so game day might actually decide not to go to Ann Arbor because of that. Yeah. I know when we have big games like in Ohio state or a whiteout, we usually leave our tailgate about 45 minutes before kickoff so we can get in on time. So I can't imagine that there's going to be many people there before kickoff. If game day is there. Right. All right. We'll move on to our big 10 roundup to see who, who the big 10 is playing this week. Nebraska is at Rutgers, so that will be the 
battle between probably the two worst teams <laughs> in the East yep. and the West. Poor versus the poor. Yeah, poor versus the poor. Michigan will be at Indiana. Kind of just expect them to thump them and get out of there and get home and get ready for us. I would love uh, I would love a, a Tom Allen inspired team though to put up a fight against Michigan. Give them give them a real battle to have a have an emotional hangover for us to come into town. I think that would be great. And next game we have Purdue at Maryland. Purdue has become our new artificial ruler of the our measuring stick. Yeah. <laughs> so they they're the pseudo measuring stick this year for all of the Big Ten teams. They're at Maryland this week. Uh, Maryland's a team where we think they could be really good and push Penn State at home after that gauntlet of death. So I think that's a game to keep an eye on. Wisconsin will be at Northwestern with a new coach. So that'll be interesting to see how they look. Number three, Ohio State is at Michigan State. Michigan State has not played well this year. You expect Ohio State to thump them. And then kind of a riser in the Big Ten West, Illinois. They'll be hosting Iowa. So it'll be interesting to see if they can win a tough defensive run-the-ball battle against Iowa. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Iowa is still a stiff defense, and Illinois has really kind of shown themselves to be a physical rushing offense. So I think there's a bit of strength versus strength going on there. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, uh, maybe this is the week where the Iowa offense takes off. Yeah, it, it really could be. I feel like outside of Northwestern and Wisconsin and Nebraska, the Big Ten West is just up for grabs. Yeah. Anything else you're looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I think the uh, the Eagles' uh, former players slash coach reunion tour. The fact that it's been going on since like week one is uh, is kind of enticing because I saw a meme earlier where it's like week one we had it was a game against Deuce Staley. In week two, it was uh, oh gosh, who was it? I mean, we we played the Vikings week two, right? So it would have been Jalen Rager, and then <laughs> it was uh, Carson. Um, yeah, then it was Carson, and then obviously Doug, and then this week against the Cardinals, we have our beloved former tight end Zach Ertz. So there's a, there's a storyline there for each week thus far. So it'll be interesting to see if the Eagles can keep it up. I mean, they uh, they got it they got the job done in a really sloppy game. I mean, it's almost fascinating, like how many parallels we could draw between Penn state and the Eagles week to week. And just the fact that it was just crappy weather is the one that we could draw <laughs> this week. So um, I'm excited about them. I mean, Jalen hurts has been really rock solid. So I'm, I'm excited for, for Eagles football. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles are four and oh, and I hope they can make it five and oh on the revenge tour. I don't know if we have a good Dallas revenge tour. We played them in week six on Sunday night football. Is there any Eagles, in Dallas right now. Oh, the be Jason, Jason Peters. Jason yeah. Peters. I was just about to say that. Yeah, so you're right. We have like a revenge person for every game this year with the birds. It seems like. Yeah, what we need in that game is for Hassan Reddick. You know the like Philly area native slash like Temple guy slash former Eagles fan when he was younger kind of guy to just like blow by him to get uh, Cooper Rush on the ground or Dak whoever's going to be starting back there because I guess there's a chance that Dak plays but yeah so some compelling stuff there too yeah that would be outstanding for the Eagles to be six and zero heading into the bye I would just love that and if you're uh, if you're if you're for that team on the other side of the state uh, have fun. yeah all right thank you guys for listening today if you'd like to support the pod please tell your friends follow us on twitter facebook and instagram if you enjoy the pod please leave a five-star review so that other nittany line fans like you can find us interested in new episodes you can subscribe on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified Thank you for listening, and we want to remind you that we are the Nittany Blues Podcast. See you next time.